Psychology in Seattle. Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, licensed therapist. I'm Mandy, Kirk's cousin. And I'm Humberto Castaneda. I am a birthday clown. Please email us at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. That's contact at psychologyinseattle.com. Please like us on Facebook and please subscribe to us on iTunes. A couple weeks ago, I received a phone call from a producer at Cairo Radio asking me to be on a show the next morning to be an expert on baby names. One of the things about working in my field is that people think that I am an expert on anything related to psychology, but sometimes I do not know everything. Does that sentence make any sense? I don't know everything. Uh, however much I would love to know everything, I don't know everything. Maybe knowing everything would be scary. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know everything about everything, and I know nothing about baby names. They were asking me to be an expert on how baby names affect personality and decision-making and perhaps how people react to them as they grow older. And I know nothing about that topic. So I had about an hour to prepare the night before, and I looked up as much literature as I could on the topic, and I was teaching the night before, so I asked my students about their names and how that had an effect on their personality and their roles in families, and I talked with other professors that I teach with and asked them their opinions and asked them for resources, and I did everything I could to become an expert about baby names, and I became a very low-grade expert on the topic and then I was on a radio show called The Bill Radke Treatment. They had a historian on the show, and they had a man with the name of Stacy on the show to talk about his experiences. So I showed up in the morning and did the radio show, and I was nervous, extremely nervous. It might seem strange to you out there in podcast land that I would get nervous on the radio since I do a podcast, and I'm an instructor and stand in front of people and have to act smart all the time. And the key word there is act. It might seem strange that I get nervous, but I really do. I, ha I have a body that does not like to be on stage. My conscious mind says, everything's fine, just relax. But my body doesn't, does not like it. I know that's a Cartesian split of between mind and body that some people might have a problem with. But so what? I don't care. So I got extremely nervous. And as soon as they started the show and... Bill Radke turns to me and asks me a question, and I am trying to be articulate, and I can feel my heart racing, my hands are sweating, and I felt like I was going to pass out. I, I haven't been that nervous in a long time. I, I literally felt like I was going to faint. So I'm a little scared to listen back to this episode. Uh, I calmed down eventually. I thought I would just share the episode with you all. I got permission from Cairo to have this on my podcast. And then afterwards, we'll talk about the news and have Tougher Bluff and all that kinds of stuff. All right. So enjoy the Bill Radkey treatment episode on baby names. Oh, and one thing to keep in mind as you listen to it, Bill Radke often refers to me as a psychologist. I am not a psychologist. There are so many different names for what we do in the mental health industry. You can call me a psychotherapist. You can call me a marriage and family therapist. Some people call me a mental health therapist. You can call me professor. You can call me instructor. You can call me Al. You can call me bodyguard or how's that song go? But the one thing you cannot call me is psychologist. Bill Radke would say, Kirk, you're a psychologist, and then ask me a question. And I was so nervous that I didn't want to be defiant and say, Bill, actually, you can't call me a psychologist. I didn't want to tell him that on the air. And I vowed that if I was ever on another show like this in the future, that before we went on the air, I would tell the people not to refer to me as a psychologist. But actually, now that I think about it, you can refer to me as a psychologist when I'm involved with a school district because, well, it's complicated, but actually I have been contracted by a school, a high school before, and I was called a psychologist, and actually that is the proper name for me in that context. Wow, this is confusing. Not that normal people care, but people in my industry care about the names that we call ourselves, so there you go. All right, here's the episode. Before you name your child, stop 
and listen to the Bill Radke treatment. Welcome to the show. I'm Bill. This week, Jay-Z and Beyonce welcomed their new baby named Blue Ivy. And that got us talking on Seattle's Morning News and elsewhere about... uh, Names. And so we thought we'd look at the way uh, the names have changed. We have historian Felix Bennell with us. Hey, Felix. Good morning. Uh, how names affect your mind with therapist Kirk Honda. Kirk, welcome. Thanks. And what it's like to have a funny name. No offense, Stacy. Hi. Hi, Stacy Nygren. Uh, I know nothing more than that about you. My producer invited you on the show telling me just that. And uh, we want to know what it's like to be you, Stacy. So all that's ahead. Uh, uh, let's start with how names have changed over time. Uh, Felix, you're your history man. Tell us, uh, tell us how, how names have evolved. Well, people have always had names, of course, because you had to differentiate you know, who you were talking to if you were you know, chasing after something you were hunting for or collecting something out there on the prairie you know, millions of years ago. So either Adam and Eve or Og. Yeah, or Grunt or you know, his, different, different, different languages history. we probably wouldn't even recognize nowadays. But mm-hmm. you know, names started to become more formal when uh, we got more serious about the legal ramifications. So, for instance, uh, Seattle wasn't even tracking baby names until 1890s when they started issuing birth certificates. Hmm. King County did the same about a year later, and then the state took it over. It started to become really important in the 1930s when the Social Security Administration was created. Really? Okay. So so how did that change the uh, formalization of names? How did that affect names? Well, I think before you heard about Beyonce and Jay-Z, when you lived in a little house on the prairie someplace, you mm-hmm. didn't really know what other people named their kids. And mm-hmm. if, if your name was John and you had a boy, you probably called him John because it was what you'd been called by your father. And names sort of followed this long trajectory through families. There wasn't, people weren't buying books. It was, you know, the baby boomers ruined everything, right? You know, they had these books in the 70s and 80s of baby names and, yes. you know, name your baby something special. Yes. They didn't have that 100 years ago. People just named, named uh, they used family names and they used names that they came from the Bible. I mean, the Bible is probably the main source of names for the first, for the last 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned John, I th- so I think the Bible. But do you know, like, before the Bible uh, and outside of that, the Bible's influence, was has there been a time when name a name was just a sound or did it get pretty codified pretty quick I don't not sure what it exactly was codified but it was just you know language developed we don't know how language actually really yeah. developed all yeah. those many years ago but you know you had to just you had to for convenience you had to be able to differentiate between you know the water and the vegetable and you know the son and the daughter and so yeah. people just had to form names for things but this whole this whole naming culture has changed radically in the last 25 or 30 years well, we're going to get into the naming culture we're going to get into the uh, give your kid a special name and the baby boomers and all that I want to uh, talk a moment about how like why is this important uh, uh, Kirk Honda, you're a, a therapist, a psychology professor in the School of Applied Psychology, Counseling, and Family Therapy at Antioch University in Seattle. Uh, how do names affect our uh, who we are? The the larger question is: Does one's name affect one's personality and one's decision making? Yeah. According to the research, some evidence seems to show that it does affect personality and that it does affect decision making. It does affect how people perceive someone upon first impression. For instance, there's a study that showed that when people were asked to rate their preference of a person just based on their name, if the name was a preferred name, then they tended to prefer that person. If the name was an unpreferred name, then they tended not to prefer that person. Mm-hmm. So, what, what would be some preferred and unpreferred names? Common names are preferred and uncommon names are not preferred. Really? Because yeah. you, you hear about... Maybe maybe you hear about them because they're uncommon, because they're the exception. But yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who name their kid unusual names, and and uh, you know if it's so if it's so well known that we don't like each other with unusual names, why do we keep doing it? Yeah, well, you know, it's culture, and culture is varied, and people are varied. So when they look at the data of large samples, it tends to be common. Common names tend to be preferred. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in Seattle, maybe it's different than it is in Alabama, than it is in New York City. So it, it depends. Okay, so if a name is, uh, you know, preferred or not preferred or something else, can you give us an example of how that would affect somebody's, you know, your mind, your life, who you are, the decisions you make? Right, and that's a big question for parents. I mean, obviously, they want to give their kids the best chance possible. They want their kid to be happy. They want their kid to be successful, I'm guessing. And they don't want to pigeonhole their child for uh, unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, our culture is headed in a direction of uh, individualism. We're, we're becoming more and more uh, interested in bec- and ex- expressing our individuality. Yeah. Uh, in our historian might be able to speak uh, more about that. And as you can tell, as you see with naming, people are naming their 
children with much more individual or unique names. Like Blue Ivy. Like Blue Ivy. <laughs> well, and, and celebrity names are sort of its own category. But, but have you found, like, do you see, I don't know, patients? Uh, 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 in your th- in, Come, in coming to see me therapy? because they're, they've been traumatized by a bad name. <laughs> well, does a name ever come up? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Um, I actually was just uh, contacted by the producer uh, last night, so I haven't had much time to look into this, but I was teaching last night and I asked my students about uh-huh. names. One student, a woman student, said that she changed her name to a masculine form of her name because she wanted to avoid sexism, which I thought was interesting. You know, as she's handing out her resume, she wanted it to be androgynous so that she might have a greater chance of of getting a job. Mm -hmm. And actually, the the research actually shows that sexism is shown in people's preference for names on resumes. And race as well, I think. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay, let's let's get into more uh, of names as resume in a moment. I want to... uh, to, to meet Stacy a bit more. Stacy Nigren, uh, all I know about you is Stacy. First of all, I guess we'll start with why. And when did you first ask this question? <laughs> why, Stacy? Um, well, I'm actually named after my uncle who died of SID, sudden infant death syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, uh, my parents just like the name outside of that. Um, and it's just kind of me. And a lot of my friends actually see Stacy as a male's name now. Be just because of you. Yeah, just because of me. Well, there are names, I mean, right, that, uh, well, at least in England, Leslie, I know, is, is you know, there, there are names that cross over. Like Ashley is another name like that. Ashley. Like, yeah. um, but Stacy is still seen mostly, like 99% of the world, I would think, would assume that you're uh, a girl first off. Oh, yeah. Um, right before I was contacted for the show, actually, um, I'm a supervisor for a grocery store and Somebody came through my line and I go, oh, Stacy, that's funny. Who'd you switch name tags with? And uh-huh. this happens almost every day. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, that's my name. And they're like, oh, sure, right, buddy. And it's just, um, it, well, it can be hard to. Can I ask you a couple questions about this? Yes. Oh, good. We have a therapist right here. Let's, let's hear it. Well, so do you feel a connection with this uncle that died of SIDS? Uh, no. I mean, not a connection with the person, but like, did it affect. Uh, how you grew up? Did you see yourself as, oh, I'm sort of carrying the legacy of this person who mm, prematurely died? I, Interesting I'd question. I'd say I definitely have a little bit, but it's not something that's always on my mind, okay. really. Okay. Because that's a powerful uh, yeah. naming convention is to name someone for uh, someone who died tragically. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I mean, in a sense, I'm, just, I'm going out yeah. on a limb here. <laughs> on a sense, it's like you're living for that person. Yeah. I, I'd say I've definitely gotten a bit of that. Because yeah. uh, my mom grew up an only child as well, but yeah, I get that. I mean, my, I'm named after my grandfather, and I'm I'm the youngest of nine kids, and so by the time I came along, I'm the fifth son. Mm. My father named his first son after himself, and then he named his last son me after his father. So I feel this. And his father died in World War II, was when he was maybe in his late 40s or early 50s, and right toward the end of World War II. So I've always felt this from you know from the time I could be aware of it. Right. Felt this this like you said living not living vicariously but having to carry on some tradition or some part of the family tradition because I've been named after this person who died prematurely. Right. So Kirk, help me understand how that works. What are you living for? Someone? What kind of? Uh, what are we? What are we throwing in that emotional psychological basket when someone might be living for another person? Right. And as a family therapist, it's it's very interesting <laughs> to family therapists uh, how people are named and and the meaning and the role that one takes on and the role that is imposed upon somebody. Uh, for instance, a firstborn ch- child might have a have their father's name and they might take their father's job. They might become more conservative as a result. Uh, you know, if you have your fifth child, you might get a little bit more creative with your name because, you know, you've already established mm-hmm. the firm foundation of the conservative person who's going to carry on the family name. And the last born child might be might feel more freer to make their own choices in life. So mm-hmm. names have a, a big effect, I think, on, on people's mm-hmm. roles and how they feel about themselves. And Stacy, I would think I mean, potentially I, that if... If there's anything to that, in the case of this is your mom's only sibling, you said, right? Yeah. So just uh, I'm imagining this feeling of of how much, almost like I I, I lost I lost my brother. Uh, that's this extra weight of all that the happiness and joy and his unfulfilled potential, and you know, could be in you. Is that what you're getting at, Kurt? Yeah. Did you ever feel any of that, Stacy? Uh, not directly from my mother. I'd say it'd be left to my own interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think she's ever put any extra pressure on me, but mm-hmm. I also have a large family. <laughs> How big? 
Um, six altogether, six kids. Six in yours. Felix, nine, nine in yours, yeah. nine in mine. Four in mine. Four in yours. That's wow. All those are, are bigger than average. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Felix, your name is not spelled F-E-L-I-X. You know, and I didn't figure out why until I was about 21 years old when I took a uh, linguistics class at the University of Washington. You know, Again, I'm named after my grandfather, who was Polish and lived in Poland. Turns out there's no X in the Polish alphabet. It's not, you know, it's not like what, that's not like spelling Amy, A-I-M-E-E, or trying to do some cute spelling. Uh-huh. It's just a, uh, an alphabetical reality. How so do, your name is you... spelled, I should oh. spell your name for us. It's spelled it's P-H-A-E. Yeah, I, I get that. It, uh, people correct my name for me all the time. They're very helpful. No, but it's actually spelled F-E-L-I-K-S. Mm-hmm. Well, so getting back to your name, Stacey, some of the research suggested that when one enters middle school, they might start developing defiant behavior or they might be not adjusting as well. Did that happen to you? That actually really resonated with me. Um, right at sixth grade, I was going through a really tough time in school. Um, I was a bitter person. Wasn't I still did pretty well in school, but couldn't make friends, really uh, militant with teachers. And um, I definitely needed some intervention. <laughs> <laughs> did the name affect it? You know what? Just because we have a, okay. to take a break, I want really want to hear. I want to hear the answer to that. I want to hear your story, Stacy, and uh, I want to hear from uh, Felix, who spells his name wrong, and Kirk Honda, <laughs> all my guests on the Bill Radke treatment. Uh, uh, more on in Stacy's story. This is the Bill Radke treatment on the all new ninety seven three Cairo FM weekend, driven by Cooney Westside Infinity of Linwood and CooneyInfinity.com. dot change in the weather. It's getting cold. This is the Bill Radke treatment on the all-new 97.3 Cairo FM weekend, driven by Cooney Westside Infinity of Linwood and CooneyInfinity.com. Talking names with Kirk, Felix, and Stacy. Boy named Stacy, and you were telling us uh, your story. By the way, Kirk Honda is a, a psychologist and a therapist. You were asking Stacy about that experience at the vulnerable time of, of middle school. Will you continue that discussion? Yeah. So you were having some difficult. I mean, sixth grade is a difficult time for most people. Yeah. And uh, maybe there were some other issues that you're going through, but did the name affect the issue as well? Uh, sixth grade is. I'd say right about where a lot of young people start to learn new words and vocabulary and whatnot. Um, and before I even knew what it meant, I was called gay for my name being Stacy. Um, and that re- and and just did your parents want you to be a girl and things like sure. that. And when you're younger, those kinds of things uh, can get to you a lot easier yeah. um and sixth graders are so cruel oh yeah <laughs> well stacy we've just met so i don't know yeah. whether you're straight or gay or i mean can i ask oh yeah i it i actually am a gay man yeah um which made the coming out process much harder because i almost wanted to kind of uh screw you guys i'm actually straight and right. <laughs> uh-huh. um and now no uh, getting to know people as an out gay man, um, a lot of people go, oh, did your parents know you'd be gay? Or, oh, your parents wanted you to be gay. Wow. I'm like, oh, yeah, because if my name was Steven, I'd totally be a straight guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it, so, yeah, it's added, it's added another layer of complexity to my name being Stacy. So how did, how did you deal with that? It, uh, I went through therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which my name never really came up. There was a lot of issues going on there, but um, it, it just kind of, I'd say once again, the I was about 16 when I came out. Um, I became a bitter person again. <laughs> bitter or better? Um, better later on. <laughs> uh, just very angry and the people that would tease me or taunt me, um, I was right back at them. Because of your name or because of being oh, gay? Oh, both. Definitely both. Did you um, wish you were named something different? Oh, I, I, my middle name is Alan, and I briefly tried to be called Alan, but my established friends, my parents, it's Stacy's just me, and I, I love my name now. So, wow. So there's an example of the power of a name. You're yeah. going through all that, <laughs> and you're gonna keep Stacy because you're Stacy, and Stacy's I, you. Yeah, definitely. 
We're talking about names here on the Bill Radke treatment, and it started with, uh, in my mind, with uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z, the the pop (laughs) singers, uh, welcoming their child into the world, Blue Ivy. Uh, And uh, Felix Bennell, who's a local historian, visits us uh, regularly on Seattle's Morning News. Uh, Stacy was named Stacy because... Uh, of an uncle who barely got to see life at all, died as an infant. Um, but there are lots of reasons uh, people name their kids unusual names. And you mentioned the baby boomers uh, a little earlier in the show. Yeah. Um, is that is that a new development that uh, that well, we, we need attention getting names? I mean, I think it's 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 part of the whole the baby boom culture that emerged. You know, kids who were born after World War Two, you know, from 1945 to 1964. A pretty much driven popular culture for the last 30 or 40 years, let's yeah. say, maybe even 50 years. So when they started to have kids in the 60s and 70s, it was in the midst of the hippie culture where there was, it was, everything was very free. People were all, it was about their identity, all the norms, all the social things that have sort of held people in place up and through the 1950s and the Eisenhower era, all that stuff sort of blew apart around the early 60s mm-hmm. with the Kennedy assassination and the civil rights movement. And along with that, people wanted to, they felt free to do things and differentiate themselves and name their kids special names. I mean, look at Frank Zappa. I mean, what did he name his son? Dweezil? And Moon Unit. Yeah, and Moon Unit. And I think when he, when he, I think he left, his wife was expecting who, the kid named Dweezil. And he said, I, I got to go on tour, but call him Dweezil or Motorhead or something like that. So, right. Well, now, now to Blue Ivy, uh, you know, Beyonce's kid and Frank Zappa's kid, they're in a special case because they're celebrities, or at least we think they're special. But aren't we but, all but, celebrities? But, but, but it's Bill? not just yeah. celebrities, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, we're all special, though. In, in the, uh-huh. the Internet culture, we all have blogs. We all have web pages, YouTube channels. We're all in our minds. I think we're all celebrities, or, or we should. We feel like we're equal with celebrities more so than we did 50 years ago when you had to pick up a magazine and see a picture of you know Bob Hope and Ginger Rogers. And mm. it's the walls have all broken down. It's it's a very strange time right now. And it's it's unclear how it will all turn out. I mean, it's only get, we're only going to become more connected, which is good, right? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, by the way, you mentioned Ginger Rogers. My daughter, I named her Ginger. We Excellent. might get into that if we have Excellent. time on oh, our great name. That's a great name, name show here. Uh, but I want to uh, this idea of feeling special. Uh, that's I got to take that back to a psychologist, Kirk Honda. You mentioned too. We we are we need to be individuals. We need to assert a new individuality. So if you is that such a I mean a lot of people would hear that and uh, my parents, for example. I'm sure that'd be, you know, my dad would shake his head at the idea that we've we've broken up our, uh, uh, you know, since since JFK and whatnot, we've all got to be special. Is that so bad, Kurt? Um, no, I mean, it, it, there's pros and cons to both. Right. I mean, if if we're all conformists, then we have people who don't have the flexibility to express themselves in a way that makes them feel good. But if we're in a constant uh, race to individuate ourselves from everyone else, uh, that might lead to self-esteem problems when we feel like we're not individual enough. Mm. And so it, it just kind of depends. If I want to be different because I want to be special, is that better than I want to be different because I want to be better or are they the same thing? You know, because yeah. you hear you hear someone who, who goes their own way and there's almost like this resentment built in, like get over yourself. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of uh, criticism for this sort of thing. And I think the Beyonce and Jay-Z, I think, are getting some criticism for calling their child Blue Ivy. Right. I mean, right. isn't that yeah. that the that the yeah, you roll your eyes. Oh, God, you know, glory to your child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people do this a lot. Right. You know, when someone names their kids something interesting, I think people kind of roll their eyes. Yeah. And um I don't know if it's fair to judge people like that. Maybe, maybe it is fair because to some extent, as some of the research shows, when you give a child a unusual name, that might actually set them up for bad things later on yeah. in life. Yeah, we, ta- we started to talk about the name as resume. What, what's, you're a psychologist. What's behind that, that we got to pigeonhole and treat people ahead of time based on their name? Yeah, well, it just has to do with first impression. And I'll, I'll temper this by saying that, when people get to know people better, names become less important. Stacy mentioned earlier that people just consider Stacy to be a male name now because they know him and they know him as Stacy. Uh, take Barack Hussein Obama. The first time you heard that name, I'm guessing you didn't think the next president of the United States. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we, I remember specifically interviewing somebody, uh, an African-American guy who wasn't even a supporter of Obama's, but he was saying, I'm so sick of this line that, you know, he has an unusual name that that so he can't be president. He said, you know, that's such the wrong reason. I'm going to support him, even though I don't like his politics. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they said about Grover Cleveland. 
Oh, yeah? The <laughs> <laughs> story of Felix Benell? I, I made was, that up. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you should bring that name back, Grover. Grover, yeah. why not? Yeah, was that Grover? Sesame Street thing going now, it'd be hard, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, uh, more on names. I mean, why have they changed? There's so much to get into. There's the idea of the waspy last name, which I find fascinating. Um, names is our topic on the Bill Radke treatment. Stick around. This is the Bill Radke Treatment on the all-new 97.3 Cairo FM Weekend, driven by Cooney Westside Infinity of Linwood and CooneyInfinity.com. I'm talking to historian Felix Bunnell and psychologist Kirk Honda and Stacy Nygren. You had just started to tell us uh, stories of your name, but we're talking about names uh, jumping off from... Uh, uh, congratulations, Jay-Z and Beyonce, for having a child with a more unusual name than Beyonce, uh, and that's Blue Ivy. But we, we've been talking this week about names. Stacey, uh, you, it's, it's, it's been tough for you to see a doctor, for example, I, I heard. Oh, yeah. I, um, this has happened a couple of times at the same doctor's office. Not as bad the second time, thankfully. Um, I was waiting in the reception area, and I was anticipating maybe a five- or ten-minute wait, um, just reading on my Kindle and I'll, I look at the time, it's been 45 minutes. The next thing I know, um, go up and I find out that they had looked for me a couple of times, but they didn't see a female out in the reception area. So they didn't bother to oh, even wow. say, Stacy, you're next. And, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, and then I had to wait an additional 10 minutes. I was not happy. So yeah. right, so right there, parents. If you name your kids something unusual, <laughs> you, your child could die in the waiting room, yeah. or get a lot of good reading done. You know, catch up on your Kindle. Yeah. That sounds great. I love having forty-five minutes to read my Kindle. I don't want to have a Kindle though. So. One of the things we want to do as parents is give our kid a, a, a name that's sort of unusual. And the thing I see the most is you want to give your child an old-fashioned name. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like somehow the entire culture is pick that exact same old-fashioned name from obscurity all at the same time, right? Historian Felix Bonnell. Yeah, and that's that? that is pretty interesting. Like, like on the list of names from a couple years ago, popular girls' names included Olivia and Abigail and Hannah. Those are all what I would consider, you know, traditional, like, late 19th century, early 20th yes. century names. Lacy names. Yeah, and it's like they just, it, like it emerges from some sort of national, something happens. Like you said, there's just some sort of critical mass or tipping point that happens, and all these names start appearing, and you see them in kindergarten classes or first grade classes a few yep. years later. Um, you know, one thing that they say that for a name to be popular 120 years ago, it, would, it was really popular. So, like, for instance, your name, Bill, the number two name for kit for boys in 1890, 6.2% of boys were named William in 1890. Mm. So then the number the number one name in 2007 was Jacob. 1.09% of boys were named Jacob. So okay. the stakes, so to be popular 120 years ago, lots, you had to have a huge percentage named that name. That's that name. right. Now it's very tiny because of this individual stuff. It's, it's flattened out. Yeah, and yeah. It's gotten yeah. more diverse. Yeah. So if, if you give your kid, Stacy, would you rather have an unusual name, which you do for a boy, uh, or this, the, the most popular name, because that seems like something parents want their don't want their poor child to have to go through to have the same name as someone else in their you know kindergarten. Yeah, somehow I've never really had to interact with somebody with the same name, a girl or a guy. If you had asked me a while ago, maybe I would have said I want a more traditional name. But I'm so comfortable with my name now that I wouldn't change it for anything. I was teased in, in kindergarten and first grade for the name Felix, about Felix the Cat, which nobody remembers Felix the Cat anymore. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I have a very vivid memory of riding in the car with my mom when I was in probably first grade, driving through downtown Kirkland saying, I want to change my name to Scott. Because mm -hmm. there were two Scots in my class, and that seemed sort of the safe, you know. Yeah, safe. That be the, don't be the peg that stands up and just be in the, in the conformity circle there. So What does that say about you? Are you still, do you, do you consider yourself a conformist? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I, I lived through that, that early part of, you know, elementary school and then junior high where everything's, everything's really hyper, yeah. you know, and people are teasing you for things about being different. And now I, I wouldn't change my name at all. Of course not. But back then as a little kid, it was kind of scary being teased for that. Kirk, I haven't mentioned, you know, we've talked about Felix's unusual spelling, an unusual name. Felix the Cat, Felix Unger, ha, ha, ha. Stacy, obviously, <laughs> Thanks, unusual. You're bringing back the vivid, horrible memories. Yeah. <laughs> da -da, da -da, da -da. 
just, just call me Scott for the rest of the show, okay, please? <laughs> so, Kirk, what's been your name experience? Is that? Well, yeah, well, Captain Kirk. Oh, uh, my last name is Honda, which is a lot more oh, unique wow. than even yeah. Kirk, right? Um, and there's a Kirkland Honda. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We haven't even talked about last names. Oh, I mean, ha- is, yeah. is Honda, how, how bad or good has that been for you, Kirk it, Honda? Well, in the 70s, as a child, Honda was not associated with quality, and so I got made fun of a lot. As I've gotten older, Honda has become you know more established, and then there's Acuras. And, of course, in my family, uh, there's a va- you know, when people buy a car, they're much more likely to buy a Honda and an, or an Acura, wow. including myself. That's right. great. Uh, you're listening to the Bill Acura treatment. I'm Bill Acura. Uh, so, uh, Rachel Bell uh, on our uh, 97.3 Cairo FM's Ron and Don show did a great piece this week about how um, there are names that are considered low status names, so that particularly teachers will pick up on a name. For example, if it has a, they call it a high Scrabble value, because. Apparently, less educated parents are the ones most likely to, for example, you, your kid's name is uh, Alexander. You'll throw in an Alex and then Z, Xander. Mm-hmm. Be, the, you know, X's and Z's are as if that's like making your kid more interesting and, you know, change something to a Y. And that, the, and that teachers will pick up on that and think that this child is less academically, has less academic potential and then treat them that way. Man. Then there's names associated with African Americans. We talked about names on resumes. Uh, if there's any discrimination against black people, if your name is, you know, Shaniqua, LaShonda, that, that comes out too. That resume, might land, you know, higher up on the pile or lower down on the pile, depending on the. You, so either either way, your name is is going out ahead of you as your ambassador. And it seems like we'd be past that by now, given societal progress elsewhere. I hope we can move past that. It seems like it would just names would just be names, but maybe that's maybe that's expecting too much. I don't know. Well, do you think your name Honda Telegraphs Japanese American? And if so, has that mattered to you one way or the other? Well, like I said, as a kid, J- Japan was not uh, smiled upon. It, the World War II wasn't that long ago before yeah. I was a child. And but as I've gotten older, it's become better for me. Let me ask you about something because I've always wondered, and, I, and I, I guarantee a lot of our listeners right now have a child with with a name in this category. A lot of my friends do. My sister does. Uh, has a, a child named Finn. Um, and uh, and Mac, and there's, you know, kids named Mackenzie, and yep. it's a very yep. big to have last names. But I, uh, what I notice is that they're never the last name Gonzalez. They're <laughs> never the last name Samitsu, uh, right? So why, why are waspy last names considered, you know, sort of prestigious and classic, but you're not going to name your child, you know, Mbutu because that's a last name? <laughs> Part of it, I mean, sometimes it's just the, the, you know, the way the name sounds, and maybe we've just grown accustomed to those, those what you're calling waspy last names. Yeah. I think a lot of this also traces to that movie Splash, where Daryl Hannah's character was named Madison. Yes. That created a huge, like what I would call micro-boom of little girls named Madison. Yes. And now you meet little girls named Emerson and Taylor, and you know, there's Reagan Dunn, who's named after President Reagan. Yeah. A lot of African-American boys were named after President Roosevelt in the 30s and 40s, yes. so you meet a lot of African-American men in their 70s named Roosevelt. Well, that's true. So. Do you think I'm being overly? Am I reading way too much into the Washington no, last name? No, no. I think that our society is, you know, our culture values things over others. They value Mackenzie over Umbutu, as you said, <laughs> and therefore they name their children after things that they like. Stacy uh, Nigren, on balance, have you looked back yet and decided whether Stacy has been a great name, a terrible name, a non-factor? It definitely built character. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a big factor. Well, anyway. like a boy named Sue, did you get in a lot of fights? <laughs> <laughs> Never any physical fights. Definitely a lot of uh, verbal oh. altercations. Tough skin. Definitely now. <laughs> oh. yeah. Let's just let's talk names again on another show. Oh, okay, will you come back sometime? Gee, thanks. Yeah. Um, my guests have been uh, Stinky, Gimpy, and uh, <laughs> Scott, <laughs> and boy named Stacy. Uh, Stinky or Gimpy? Historian Felix Benell, a uh, uh, guy named Stacy, Stacy Nigren. Uh, Kirk Honda is a therapist and a professor of psychology in the School of Applied Psychology, Counseling, and Family Therapy at Antioch University in Seattle. Hosted the podcast Psychology in Seattle, available at iTunes. Thanks to all of you so much. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, the music you've been listening to uh, all this hour in the Bill Radke treatment from the band Jack's Mannequin from the album People and Things. 
This show is produced by Jason Antebi and Marsha Davis. Join me again next week for the Bill Radke treatment. On the all-new 97.3 Cairo FM weekend, driven by Cooney Westside Infinity of Linwood and CooneyInfinity.com. All right, so I'm back. Hope you enjoyed that clip from the Bill Radke treatment. The first thing I want to say is to parents that are thinking about naming their children, and that is is that I advise them not to worry too much about what, they're, what they name their child, instead to be concerned with providing a stable, loving environment for their children. Because in general, I would say that a name has less to do with a child's success or happiness than general parenting does, right? Also, it's difficult to predict what effect a name will have because there are so many other factors involved in personality, decision-making, and how people will perceive someone. Plus, names are completely bound in culture and tradition, which are constantly changing in time and location. So it's difficult to tell. It is important what you name your child. If you name your child, for instance, after your childhood sweetheart, meaning that you married someone else other than your childhood sweetheart, then that is going to potentially affect how you treat that child. And if that child ever knows who they're named after, that might affect how they identify themselves. For instance, if you name all your kids with the, with the same first letter except for one child, there's a small possibility that that child might feel left out, that they might feel like an outsider, or they might feel special. It's hard to tell. I don't know. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking if I was talking to a parent that was overly concerned about what to name their child, I'm probably just freaking them out. So again, just give your child love, give them attention. And if things go bad, then call a family therapist like me, right? (laughs) So what do you think about the Bill Radke treatment on baby names? Have you guys seen, someone was telling me about it on Freakonomics, they have a little segment about baby names. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I just YouTubed a little clip of it. And there was the anecdote was about this mom who wanted to name her baby after her favorite Cosby show character, which was Tempest Bledsoe, but she misspelled it. And the baby was named Temptress. (laughs) That's Temptress, not Tempest. And so they were like, was this a self-fulfilling prophecy? She ended up getting into trouble and stealing candy and being sexually promiscuous and then ended up in, you know, in the juvenile detention system so saying like if you name your kid lazy joe will he be lazy or if you name your child temptress Mm -hmm. or hoochie right (laughs) well the other the other part of this is what sort of parent accidentally names their child temptress right is it a correlation rather than a causation right Mm. the research does show that the name that when you look at large samples names do affect people like People in baseball who have a name starting with the letter K strike out more because in baseball, K is associated with striking out. Like to get a K. Do you guys know much about baseball? Names that start with K, they strike out more? Yeah. Slightly more. Slightly more than other letters. What if it's Killer Jones? According to to the studies, um, when you look at large samples of baseball players, those with the letter K strike out a little bit more so if in boxing if it's knockout bob what is that Uh, i didn't see a research i didn't see research (laughs) on boxing you're you're more likely to live in a town with the first letter of your name so sam is more likely to live in seattle than tom there's actually statistics that show this yeah but the, the the problem with these studies that some other people were saying was that there are confounding variables for instance a lot of towns are named after the people who live there. So small towns, right? You might be Tom Jones and you live in Jonestown. But the reason why it's called Jonestown is because your great-great-grandfather, his last name was Jones, and so they just named it after him, and you just never moved away from the town. So sometimes that will skew the results. So it's hard to say, but but um, when looked at large samples, names do affect people. But in Freakonomics, do you remember the Freakonomics yeah. thing? Yeah. How... It was essentially, if I remember right, it was that certain naming conventions adopted by rich people eventually work its way to poor people. So a rich <laughs> a rich kid name will be Mackenzie in 1995, and 10 years later, the demographics of children being named Mackenzie will be lower socioeconomic status. I can understand that. I mean, it's, it's trickle-down economics, right? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like, sure. You'll see uh, a wave of kids, a certain generation, and they will have names, and they appear to be successful. 
and it's because they're kind of inbred to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so then there's imitation that happens, and then it's, it's yeah, I, I mean, I can understand the logic there. That one makes a little more sense than the uh, kind of the arbitrary, I have a name, therefore I become that thing, you know. Right. But though it does work for Star Wars, like, you know, Jar Jar Binks is a klutz, and Mm-hmm. Chewbacca, you would imagine Chewbacca is he some sort of... Uh, chews Baca? Or, you know, that he's some sort of Wookiee, and in fact, he is a Wookiee. Han Solo likes to do things He alone. goes solo, he flies solo, yeah. He never goes solo, he's always with Chewbacca. <laughs> he should be Han Duo. But, you know, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> he's a really good pilot, right? So he's kind of walking the skies, right? And if you're trying to hide the son from... The father, would you keep the same name? Oh, right. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> oh, yeah. His son is named Luke Wait, so Skywalker. But Leia, what's Leia's last name? Organa. Yeah, because she was adopted by Senator Organa. How come she got like such a good chance at like successful life and they're like, oh yeah, the boy, he can go live with his uncle it, on the farm. Well, have you seen episode three? Because they explain that you know, very thoroughly. <laughs> very thoroughly. <laughs> You're right, though. The Skywalker thing is a dead giveaway. One quick Google search. But we digress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in like a few weeks, uh, 3D Phantom Menace is coming out. I'm going to see that. No way. Yeah, I'm going to see it. No. I'm going to see it. I want to see Jar Jar Binks in 3D. Oh, no. God. No. Me's not going to die. Well, the first time I saw Phantom Menace, I was like, I want to see Jar Jar Binks in 3D. How come I can't do that? Right. And now I'm going to be given that opportunity. Right. You're finally going to be able to do it. Because two dimensions of that annoying guy was not <laughs> enough. I need a third dimension of annoying. No, you know what? I'm sure this joke has been made 20 billion times, but even in 3D, he will be one dimensional. Uh, <laughs> All right. News. Birdo. All right. By now, most of you have heard, we are going to be on the moon by 2020. Right. I heard that Gingrich has promised the American people that we will have a colony on the moon. That's right. And it will be American. Well, and uh, American people will have honeymoons on the moon. And the thing is that he wrote a book a while ago, I don't know, in the 70s, 80s, who knows. And it predicted that by 2020, we would have colonies on the moon and that people would be getting married on the moon. He wrote a book? Yeah, he, he did write a book. Is he into space stuff? Apparently. Huh. So he's going to get us to Now, listen, honestly, like, sure, we can go to the moon. We can build a base there. I don't see that being that far-fetched. Of course, I don't know if there's money to go around, but we could do it. Mm-hmm. And with the tourism thing, don't you think some richy riches would pay to go and sure. say they got married up there? Yeah. So I actually think you could pull it off. All right, Mandy, news. All right, news. So um, I was doing my sexual health read up because you know you got to stay informed mm-hmm. of the advances in sex yeah especially the way you live your life <laughs> <laughs> so a couple weeks ago i noticed there was an article you might have heard about it that the la city council approved an ordinance that would require porn stars to wear condoms oh right i'm a girl who hasn't really watched a lot of porn you guys are men and probably have so do you think that this would have a what kind of effect would this have as a consumer of porn? I, I believe the word is connoisseur. Connoisseur of porn. So <laughs> say you're like, oh, all this new porn, all the people are wearing condoms. I'm so not into this. Or would you be like, who gives a fuck? Well, I, I mean, I'd have never seen, what, what do you call it? Porn? Never seen anything uh, like that. But I, I understand, I am to understand that uh, people that have seen or, or watched those kind of things have very varied tastes, right? They range anything from cats on the moon all the way to uh, donkeys with balloons and everything in between. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure that there's a market no matter what. Like, I, I don't think that people are going to be like, that's it. The day, uh, the day they put condoms on, that's the day I stop with the porn. But what about you? Well, I mean, can you really tell at a distance? I mean, you'd have to get pretty close up maybe. Aren't they, like, clear? You know, not, yeah. like, colored or cl- right. opaque. They're clear. Right. I, f- I feel like I've seen a little bit of porn and was like, oh, okay. He had a condom on, and I remember him having it on, and I was like, yeah. Here's the thing you don't have to show. You don't have to show the, the, the long scene of the putting it on and then it breaking and then pulling out another one and then just skip that. You know, you could cut. You can, you know, seamlessly intertwine the. It'd be interesting because we're actually experimenting on our sexuality in that children are being exposed to things that they weren't exposed to 50 years ago. SpongeBob? Yeah, that too. (laughs) I'm guessing that 
say, 5,000 years ago, we, children were exposed to sexuality in even a different way than they are that, that we can possibly imagine. I mean, I'm just imagining you live in a cave and your parents are having sex and they're not going to, you know, go to a hotel, right? They're just, they're just the next fur ne- over in the other side of the cave. You know, you're going to hear it. You're going to see it in all likelihood. So I digress. Anyway, today, children are being exposed to sexual images that we weren't exposed to as children. That's true. And people have a lot of dire predictions, um, and maybe that will come true, but I think it could go any old way. But when you add condoms, um, it might actually sexualize condoms in a way that in a way that older people don't associate condoms with. In that if you have a 12-year-old and every time they're turned on and they're seeing sex and, and, and they're being aroused and a condom is involved, then in all likelihood when they're 25, a condom will be associated with that image. It could be positive. It could, it could have a positive effect on condom use. That's what I'm saying. Interesting. That sounds good. I'm pro-condom. I mean, I'm not talking about normal people. I'm talking about porn stars. It is their livelihood to have a lot of sex with a lot of different people. And those people have had sex with a lot of different people. So, I mean, doesn't anybody think about herpes? Porn star herpes? If you slip through cracks, you're right, Mandy, that in one day you could be having N number of partners, right? Um, yeah, so it wouldn't take long for, for, for an outbreak of something. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So if condoms become associated with sex for the youth of today... When they try to get pregnant and they take off the condoms, they're, they're no longer turned on, and then they can't get pregnant, and then the human <laughs> the human race dies out. No, so I'm I'm kind of that's against not I'm kind of against this legislation. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I see. Well, that makes sense. I, I see the logic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see. I thought you were going a different. I thought you were advocating for porn about cave men. I'm so. sure it's been done. Anyone, listeners out there, cave porn. Please share your comments with us. All right, tougher bluff. Uh, so last year, in June of last year, uh, Leon Tobbs died. He was a DJ, and he was uh, recently famous uh, for playing with a band called The Antwoord. Wow. And uh, he was one of the oldest progeria sufferers, or mm. you know, people living with progeria. But that's where you uh, age really, really fast, and you look like an old man by the time you're 12, and so forth. Most of them die really young. Anyways, he died at 22. Hmm. Tough or bluff? I'll say tough. I remember seeing this guy in the videos, and he played up the fact that he looked odd. Right. Um, he doesn't just look old. He looks like he has a prosthetic head. It's very unusual looking, but this this hip hop South African South African white South African hip hop group was extremely strange. They had the main hip hop guy who's this really tall and lanky, and and then this girl is in the band, and she looks like she's twelve, <laughs> yeah, ten maybe, <laughs> and she plays up that angle, and she's really short. She looks emaciated and drugged out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but the point is that he died at 22. Yeah. Tough or bluff? You T- say tough. I say no. Uh, I'll say bluff just for the sake of... Okay. I have no idea. Well, you luckily got lucky. <laughs> he died at 27, mm. which is a, a record for, for progeria um, mm. survivors. That's the, the age that lots of rock stars die. Uh, 27 is this magical... Jimi uh, Hendrix, uh, Kurt Cobain... Uh, Janis Joplin, I think. Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. I could be wrong about one of those, but... I think you're right, man. Okay. All right. Tougher bluff, Mandy. All right. In the spirit of... Apparently, I really enjoy sexual health trivia. Yeah. This one also has to do with sexual health. Mm. A man will ejaculate approximately eight quarts of semen in his lifetime. Eight quarts of semen in his lifetime. Tough... Or bluff, gentlemen. I'd like to know how they even went about approximating this amount. It's easy. Really? Like, okay, every ejaculation is X number of ounces times X number of per week, per year, per life. Right. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it's all. But I mean, there's... How do they know? Do you, like, keep a log? Like, okay, you thousand gentlemen, we're going to have you keep a sperm diary. That's literally what they probably do. (laughs) Tougher bluff, guys. I'm getting off the subject. How many? Eight. As in not not seven and not nine. Two gallons. Eight quarts. Two gallons. Why did they just say two gallons? I don't know. Isn't that eight? Ga- isn't that two gallons? Two, I, don't, I don't do. I don't do magic. Our system is so 
confusing when Americans don't even know how to calculate gallons and quarts. That's there's a, Hey, you're calling me stupid. We're all stupid. Um, we are. I mean, we have a stupid system that we don't understand. Isn't quart mean quarter? You mean quarter of a gallon? Yes. Quart. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid. All the Europeans are, you know, other people from around the world who are listening to us probably thinking, God, they're dumb. We do have a lot of listeners outside of the United States, by the way. And yes, all you European listeners, I am dumb. And Canadians. <laughs> everybody everybody who uses the metric system i'm dumb we're all dumb we're, well, we're dumb i grew up with the metric system so i'm a little less dumb than you people but i, I forgot know. a lot of it I'll, I'll say i'll say tough that sounds that sounds about right when i think about it in my head <laughs> okay all right all right when you've kept a sperm diary seems about average okay then Kirk, moving that on. sounds bluff to me because that's about how much i produced last night as a clown <laughs> as a clown there's a lot of things I'm going to need to know about that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, don't hire him for your birthday parties. Is that is that a little bit over several different, or is that all at once? No, it was an accident. Yeah, how'd that happen? I just don't, <laughs> I don't want to go into the gross details. It's just I tripped, and let's just leave the rest up to you know the listeners. When I was a kid, there was this there was this story that was going around the neighborhood when I was like six or seven. You know, you're seven years old, so you have no idea what you're talking about. This is before the internet, right? So we have no idea about sexuality. And my friend said, yeah, there was this guy and this girl and they were naked and the girl got mad at the guy and punched him in the stomach and sperm came out of his penis. (laughs) And at this point, I thought sperm was invisible because they said sperm was microscopic, like you couldn't see it. Right. So I thought it was invisible. They never said the word semen? Well, I don't know. So I said, so I said to my friend. That's that's stupid. You can't see you can't see sperm, <laughs> and you still believe it to this day. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So is well, it tough or bluff? It's bluff. I knew it. The correct answer is eighteen quarts. Eighteen. Oh. Eighteen quarts of sperm, or yeah, semen. Semen because sperm is invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eighteen quarts. How many gallons is that? Well, it's a lot. Four and a half. That's a lot. There you of go. Potatoes. When I think about gallons, I can only think about milk, gallons of milk, <laughs> and like full of semen. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, everybody. So the next time you in podcast land see a gallon of milk, you can think of that. That there'd be four and a half <laughs> of them when you die, full of your semen. That's, that's a lot of baby names right there. So get busy, everyone. Mm-hmm. Get busy. That's that's. Only the average. So there's going to be people who are doing 24 quarts, and there's going to be people who are doing 12. Hmm. That's a lot of Kleenex. It's, you know, that's why they're still in business. <laughs> yeah, Kleenex must just be loving that that statistic. <laughs> they're cleaning I up. I dislike man. fluid and all that ick. Yeah. Mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. Right. You know how I feel about that. All right. <laughs> What I would like to complain about is the traffic in and around the where I live in South Lake Union right now. It is awful. It is all they're constru- there's construction everywhere. They're digging up the street. They close your exit like every other weekend. They close my exit every other weekend, and traffic is bad enough as it is. Yeah, and it's just awful now. I just want to complain about that. I, I have never understood the lifestyle that involves an hour each way every day in traffic. Is that what you do? No. Oh. That's why I've never understood it. Yeah. Well, some people live in Snoqualmie and commute into Seattle or Bellevue. That blows my mind. Yeah. Because it the, they can get so much more house in Snoqualmie, you know? Yeah. And I know. But then you don't get to use it because you're using all your daytime hours driving. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have talked to people who are like, oh, but that's when I listen to my books on tape. And that's when I... Yeah. Zone out and crash into the guy in front of me. Listen to podcasts like Psychology in Seattle. Yes. That's true. Yes. If you're stuck in the car, you should do that. Yeah. All right. That does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us and please take care of yourself. Bye. I had a complaint. It was about traffic too. Oh, go ahead. No, it was stupid. Okay. Some dick face had to cut me off on my way from the gym. (laughs) 